but it's also where an advisor actually adds the most value. It's not in the specific stocks and bonds and things that they pick. It's in making sure you're not taking more risk than you need to, to achieve whatever your goals are, whether that's income and retirement, sending the kids or grandkids to college, whatever it happens to be. There are many factors that contribute to success, skill, good work habits, positive mental attitude, and of course, proper planning. So let's head to the drafting table and get this retirement success blueprint underway with Michael Stewart of Crystal Lake Tax and Financial. I'm your co-host, Mark Killian. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome into another edition of the podcast. It's the Retirement Success Blueprint podcast with Michael Stewart and myself talking investing finance and a retirement good show lined up this go around. We're going to talk about risk averse, uh, explaining this buzzword, what it all means with Mike this week. What's going on, buddy? How you doing? I'm doing excellent. The leaves are starting to fall and turn color, so uh, October is upon us. Yeah, happy guy. You like the fall? Uh, I do because it's football season, so that helps. <laughs> out. Yeah, and uh, some been some interesting games this year already. So I was just catching up uh, on last week's games. I was like, "Wow, these are there's a lot of really good ones." So yeah, absolutely, some good stuff happening. Uh, some some of the same old sames. I'm getting tired of seeing. I won't mention any name, Brady, <laughs> but other than that, <laughs> uh, all good. So no. anyway, let's talk about this topic here in just a second, Mike. Before we do, I want to jump in and ask you about this headline. Uh, obviously, the tax proposal, right? It's made its way to the House for discussion. You know, it's we'll see how this goes. Whether they're pushing back and they're fighting one another. Do you think some of the proposals that they've got before them now can make it through? Obviously, this really deeply divided Congress. And if so, if some of this stuff goes through with these potential tax changes to the uh, tax code, what if any might affect our listening group? Because there's a lot of stuff in there that seems like it's high level or maybe only the ultra wealthy, but there are some other pieces that could trickle down in there. No, absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of things that are going on that are going to dramatically impact uh, just everyday mom and pop out there. It's, you know, the, all the narrative is that, hey, we're only going to tax, you know, raise taxes on businesses and the ultra wealthy. You know, if you make over $400,000, you're in the top 1% of the country. So that's where they say that that's where they're going to do. What they don't share with you is that the top 1% are already paying 50% of all the taxes. The top 10% are already paying over 70% of all the taxes. So at some point, you're going to disincentivize individuals from you know just trying to do better, including you know build businesses and, and right. just try to do better in life. Uh, one of the biggest things that you have to look at is you know they say they're not going to raise taxes except for those you know 400,000 or more. But one of the things they've got to be careful about is they may not raise the percentages on individuals under 400,000, but what they might do is squeeze the bands a little bit, which means that, you know, so as a married couple right now, you make about $170,000 a year and still be in the 22% tax bracket. Mm -hmm. With a stroke of a pen, they could drop that down to, if it's 100, if it's 110, you're now going into the 24, the 32% tax bracket. Uh, so one of the things our clients need to look at is just a lot of the other provisions that are in there. They're trying to reduce the estate tax exemptions uh, from eleven and a half million a person down to you know five million three and a half, or if Bernie Sanders gets its way down to a million. The the income tax side of it, and even if Congress doesn't do anything, income taxes are going back to where they were in 2017. So everything's jumping up four six percent again. 
and January 1st of 2026. So clients, and this is what we're sharing with them now, is we need to be proactive for higher taxes in the future, not just because of all the stimulus spending and things and the bills going through Congress right now, but because we just know that taxes have to go higher in the future. So how can we have more of a macro strategy rather than a micro tax strategy, which is let's not worry about what we're paying taxes this year. Let's see if we can save taxes over the next three, five, 10, 20 years. Yeah. And there's some little things in there that will trickle down into other uh, pieces as well. Quite a few things that could affect small businesses. It doesn't take that much really to get to 400000 for some of these businesses. And even with the uh, estate planning you were talking about, if you're thinking about, you know, by the time you're talking about all the assets and selling an estate, getting that down to that new number, it again, it couldn't take, it doesn't take that long, especially with the housing prices and things the way they have been. So it can affect a lot more people than just the quote unquote ultra wealthy, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So we got to keep our eye on that. And of course we will. They're they're going to do their continuous fighting. So we'll see how, how this all plays out and what they what they choose to, uh, you know, tweak or amend or, you know, play ball with or whatever. But we'll keep an eye on that. But so for now, let's talk about the rest of our topic, Mike, and that is risk verse. It's a buzzword that we hear often. You've certainly heard somebody say risk verse or risk tolerance, some some form or fashion of that. Uh, do you really know what it means in the context of the financial world? So if you don't, we're going to explain that a little bit, explore it, and figure out exactly why it's important. Is it something you need to have a good grip on and just how risk averse you are? So Mike, obvious question, start with just telling us what in the heck it means. Yeah, well, when somebody says that they're risk averse, and you know, and I hear and I hear it all the time, whether they actually mean it, whether they're invested that way, you know, that's I, I hear it. Yeah, I'm pretty risk averse, pretty conservative. I kind of go a lot deeper and I explain them kind of the difference between having a risk tolerance, saying, oh yeah, I understand the markets go up and down and having the capacity for risk. So risk capacity, which means you may be comfortable with it, but can you afford risk at this stage of your life? Now, if you're 20, 30, 40 years old, the market gets cut in half. That's a buying opportunity for you. You're going to go and buy shares cheaper. You're going to dollar cost average. You're going to do better over time. But if you're 60, 63, 65, and the bottom falls out of the market and you've taken too much risk, well, there's no coming back from that. You're going to live on a diminished retirement and there's no reason you need to do that. So when individuals say they're risk averse, I say, you know, tell me more. Let's go a little bit deeper in why you think you're risk averse. And it's usually tied to either some experience that they've had in the past, mm-hmm. which could be, you know, market corrections or something like that, or right. it could even be something basically how they were raised. Well, and oftentimes, Mike, when we hear people say that stuff, okay, so they'll come in, maybe it's a, an initial meeting or something, and they'll say, yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm risk averse. And then you start looking at their stuff. And often they're in really risky places. So you kind of have to like, okay, do you really know what this means? Right. And I think that's where the disconnect happens because so many people wind up having their stuff uh, to your point, you know, maybe just in the market or whatever, and they're setting themselves up for a potential big hit. Yeah. Most people just don't know better, you know, and it's not their fault. The education system's at fault. The industry's at fault. Uh, Most people with 401ks don't get any guidance, you know, because the 401k provider and the employer don't want any responsibility. And I'll give you a great example. Let's say you're a risk averse conservative investor. So you're like, hey, I'm retiring in a few years. I'm going to go out and buy this 2025 fund. You know, we've got these lifestyle funds that are just, you know, supposed to get more conservative as you get closer to retirement. Well, the 2025 fund, which means you're retiring in less than five years, is actually right now about 60% stocks, 40% in fixed income and bonds. So you have 60% of your money at risk within the last couple of years of your retirement. And this is coming off a bull run of over a decade where the market's practically hockey stick straight up. Is that really appropriate? (laughs) 
And if you take a look at it, you know, there's this rule out there and it's not the same for everybody, but it's a good starting point for investors. You take a hundred, subtract your age from that. And that's about how much money you should have at risk in the market. So let's say you're 60 years old, 100 minus 60. That means that really about 40% max is what you should have in equities in the stock market. Whereas when you look at that 2025 fund, which we see every day when clients come in, oh, well, I wanted to be conservative. So, you know, that's the next fund, the next most conservative fund. That's 60% of your money at risk. Can you really afford to take that amount of risk? And once again, like I said, people just don't know better. Well, and a lot of times with these target date funds, you know, that's interesting. I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to ask you to describe a situation for us. But often we do, I think we hear or feel like, okay, well, the closer it gets, because we hear that, right? The closer it gets to the date, the less risk it takes. But I think people maybe build this up in their mind that it takes them down to zero or something. And I don't think they even go below 50%, do they? Typically a 60-40, to your point, is kind of the norm. Yeah. And, and part of that is the, the funds, you know, and because fixed income bonds and that really aren't paying a whole lot, you know, now there's options and ways around it and things, but because it's not paying a lot, what they like to do is have more money at risk because they've got to try to get you a certain amount of returns just to cover the internal fees and the costs associated uh. with the funds. So they almost have to have you take more risk just to kind of justify what they're doing. You know, and I'll give you a, a kind of a situation where somebody had a lot more risk than they thought they did. Okay. You know, I met with I met with somebody in December of 2019, and they said, "You know what? I'm retiring next year." And they had that 2025 fund. So once again, about 60% of the money in the market. And they said, "Hey, you know what? When I retire in June, about six months from now, then I'll meet with you and we'll talk about you know reducing my risk. But until then, everything's fine because okay. I'm in this 2025 fund." Well, we know what happened. March 2020, the bottom fell out in three weeks. The market fell 35%. That 2025 fund fell 25%. Why? Because basically it had over 60% of its money in the market. So it's going to do what that does. Plus the bonds were down in value too. They sold off another 10 or 15%. So here they lost a quarter of everything as he's knocking on the door of retirement. And here he thought he was in a conservative fund. Now, fortunately, markets bounced back, right? Because it was a man-made kind of Corona crash. So things bounced back. But what if it hadn't been? What if it was more of a normal bear market that's going to take him three to five years to get back even. The problem with that is he didn't want to wait three or five more years until he could retire. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I, and I think that's where people just, uh, to your point, the, the lack of education, the disconnect is there, or just the, the kind of the slick marketing. Hey, this is where you should go or the simple, you know, you're going to, you're going to retire in 2030 or 2025. That's the one you want. So if that's all said, then Mike, what might a situation or a plan or a strategy look like for someone who is risk averse? How do you structure that uh, in a way that they're going to still get some growth, right? I mean, we need growth, but it's also going to keep that money safe. Yeah, no, and that's a great question because that's the most challenging part, but it's also where an advisor actually adds the most value. It's not in the specific stocks and bonds and things that they pick. It's in making sure you're not taking more risk than you need to, to achieve whatever your goals are, whether that's income and retirement, sending the kids or grandkids to college, whatever it happens to be. So we start out with, I just write it on the board, TR equals I plus G. And that means total return equals income plus growth. So the income is means things that are generating interest and dividends. So income into the portfolio, independent of what's going on in the market. And the G, the growth, is basically our stock market stuff. So if we go back to that TR, the total return. So if we figure out, hey, to, you know, we put a financial plan together and say, to achieve all your goals, you need a 7% rate of return. 
Okay, so let's say it's 7% because you're risk averse, you're conservative, you want to keep up with inflation, so and you want to take some income, so you need a 7% return. So 7% equals whatever we can get off of our income portfolio, which right now for a lot of our clients is about 4% plus whatever the market has to add to that. Well, if all we need is about a 7 or 8% return, and if positioned correctly in a good income strategy, not just thrown in a bunch of bond funds, but actually good bond, bond-like instruments, you can get 4 or 5% on your fixed income side. Now, all of a sudden, you realize you don't need a tremendous amount of money on the market side of it to do the heavy lifting anymore. Unfortunately, most people have everything in the G, in the growth, and very little in the I, so they need the market based on hope to basically do well. So we sit back and say, okay, let's first figure out what rate of return do we need and how can we take the least amount of risk in order to get that rate of return? That's the prudent way. That's the risk averse way to make sure that people can achieve what they're trying to. All right. Well, there you go. So that is risk averse. If you've got some questions about it, you need a little bit of help, make sure you're checking with a qualified professional before you take any action. You can always reach out to Mike by stopping by the website at crystallaketax.com. That's crystallaketax.com and drop us an email if you'd like. We take those from time to time on the show. We don't have to put every question on. So either way, you submit a question, you're going to get your questions answered, but we take a few from time to time here on the program as well. So stop by the website, learn a little bit more, reach out to Mike and the team at Crystal Lake Tax and Financial. Again, at crystallaketax.com. That is crystallaketax.com. And we've got a question this week we're going to take from Ben in the Chicago area. He says, hey, Mike, I've owned my own business for the last 20 years, and I'm thinking about retirement within the next three to four. Am I better off trying to sell a business or retain ownership? And I hope, I hope he says, my employees can run it effectively without me actually being there. Ben, you might know the answer to that already based on your own employees, right? Yeah, yeah, Abe Ben in Chicago. One of the one of the questions that I I have is, you know, it always concerns me when somebody in explaining something throws hope, you know, as, <laughs> yeah, as, part, of was the, as part of their strategy there. Yeah, yeah that's why I giggle. So so yeah, yeah, Ben, there, you know, a lot of things to unravel in that question, but it's good that you're thinking about it ahead of time. So um, you know, basically in our practice at Crystal Lake Tax and Financial, not only do we do the financial planning, the investment management, but of course we have a tax practice in-house with the CPA and staff and tax preparers. We've got a legal team. We've We've got paralegal, we've got notary, all that kind of stuff. So, so we kind of handle all aspects of, of kind of what's going on in your financial life and in your business. And why that's important for your question, Ben, is about the sale of the business is, one, we look at, okay, how much of your revenue is recurring revenue? Uh, take a look at your key employees, those individuals that you have. Um, are they even interested in ownership? You know, and or they just enjoy getting a big fat paycheck. You know, it's because there's a lot of commitment. And then even how you would structure the sale of that, we want to look at what's going on in our tax code, like we talked about in the earlier headline about the tax proposal on our capital gains going to get taxed at 15, 20% if you sell the business. So should you do it sooner than later? Or are they going to be taxes income as high as 40%? down the road. So there's a lot of different provisions out there and a lot of things that you want, want to kind of meld into this decision, but it's good that you're thinking about it now. Give us a call and we'll help you walk through all those things. All right. Thank you so much for that question. Give Mike a call. As he mentioned, 815-526-3092, 815-526-3092, or anybody else who's got some questions and you need, to, again, to take a little bit of action. You always want to check with a qualified professional, again, like Mike and his team. Uh, they're a one-stop shop, you know, CPA, a professional, enrolled agent, paralegal, all on staff, all that stuff. Mike mentioned all that good stuff. It's been helping fa uh, families get to and through retirement, business owners as well, for two plus decades. So give them a jingle. Stop by the website, 
crystallaketax.com. That's crystallaketax.com. And subscribe to us on Apple, Google, Spotify, and all that kind of stuff, whichever platform you like to use for your podcasting needs. Mike, thanks for hanging out with me. I appreciate it. Have yourself a great week, and uh, good luck for your football team. Thank you. You as well, Mark. We'll see you the next time here on the Retirement Success Blueprint with Michael Stewart. Investment advisory services offered through Sound Income Strategies, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Crystal Lake Tax and Financial and Sound Income Strategies, LLC, are not associated entities. Crystal Lake Tax and Financial is a franchise of the Retirement Income Store. The Retirement Income Store and Sound Income Strategies, LLC, are associated entities.